This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. It is a, a chilly uh, but wonderful uh, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Sunny. Sunny, yes. <laughs> Sunny but cold. And we have a fantastic uh, guest, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Ooh. Yeah, man. I haven't seen you. Uh, well, of course, we saw each other when the Phoenix, um, not the Phoenix, but the exit closed last. But prior to that, we got to go all the way back to 2002. Yep. <laughs> wow. It's, it's incredible. It's, yep. it's awesome. I'm sure you've had those 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 moments, Norman, where you haven't seen someone in over oh, 20 or some odd years. I, I don't even recognize. People are like, hi, Norman. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> and I remember when I saw you, I was like, I've seen that person before. And your memory mm. banks goes, wait, 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 wait. And there you go, Patrick Pet and Boo. Right. But, but how are you doing? Oh, nice. Yes. That that. Post right on the wall. Yeah, Meredith right. Benton. He was Boo. <laughs> it's weird looking at younger you. Look right back at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is right. That is the younger you. There's so many memories of that production, and of course, we had our first. I tell the story all the time on the Yay. Our first rehearsal was September the 11th, 2001, and of course, we had to, we had to cancel that rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. All that was going on, but there were so many things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, uh, Norman, as I begin all of our podcasts, how was your week? Quiet. Um, I I had a doctor's appointment on Friday and therefore could not drink. Oh goodness! <laughs> all week, and so Friday happy hour was my oh I could finally have a drink and it was underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh okay, but I've been um, hitting the alley a lot uh, this yeah, year. Yeah, I've seen your postings. Yeah, and. Um, I'm so happy to to be back and singing and having a good yeah. time. And you're rehearsing for, I saw that you're in Raymond's Run and Blues Ain't No Mockingbird at the Z6. <laughs> yeah, as of like two days ago, yeah. <laughs> no, I got a... I got an email saying, or I got a text message saying, uh, would you be available? We just had an actor drop out. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey. And well, I didn't even ask what. I just They said Margot Hall. I went, yeah, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> there you go. And AJ will be there too. I know. Uh, I know. There's an amazing crew of people. <laughs> now that, that should be really, really nice. So you went to the doctor's appointment. Everything's okay? Uh, it's a process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, there's there's always more appointments, and you know, there's n- nothing to report. <laughs> I think that's good. No news is good news so far. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of news, uh, some current events have been going on. Uh, let's see. There's been. Um, um, oh, uh, okay. So you probably heard. Uh, uh, I think it happened two weeks ago. A uh, homeless. Um, there was a um, a guy, a, a store owner. Uh, in San Francisco, yes, hosing poor, a homeless person. I, I pity him, but yeah. Um, yeah, now he's arrested. Yeah, well, yeah, our our DA's office has uh, arrested him. I think I'm a little surprised that this doesn't happen more often. There's mm-hmm. there's a growing tension between the homeless and store owners who you know both want to be I don't know um, um, 
uh, you know, they, they feel for the homeless, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they've got a business to run and they can't have, you know, people hanging out in front of them or whatever. So right. I imagine things like that are going to happen. So I'm interested to see, you know, what's going to happen and how people will react. Well, people will say, well, yes, we need to prosecute the homeless because they're shoplifting and all that stuff, or there'll be more compassion. I, I, the, so we'll yeah, see. the reaction I'm seeing is why why is the DA and why are the police wasting their resources on this? It's, yeah. It's, but something does need to be done because, <clears throat> I mean, I pity the guy because he's, you know, it's his. Uh, when you say ongoing, the guy, the homeowner? I know the, 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 the store. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it was a gallery. Yeah. And it's, he's got to leave the city at this point or come up with a name that obscures who he is because, God, his name has just been, he has been yeah. doxxed like crazy. I, I think it's almost national news now. And of it course is. It, yeah. Well, and the weird thing to me is uh, Playground, when Playground opened at the Potrero stage, mm-hmm. we did a series of short pieces about the. About the area. Yeah. The history of the area and the future. It was very cute. But there was one that was about um, a homeowner taking a hose to a homeless person. Oh, I was wow. like, oh, I got to dig that, that one up. <laughs> oh, were they, were they commenting on it or did it precede it? Uh, it precede, no, this was years ago. Oh, this wow. This was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just happened to coincidentally be that notion. And they're not the first one. And the reason that they're hosing is because they're washing down literally the shit and piss well, sure. and everything from the front of because their store. Because they can store. be fined if it's... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So something needs to happen. And I don't think either of these people are at fault. I think the city needs to yeah. step up. And I know Gavin Newsom, he's raising uh, money to to stop it. But it's happening nationwide. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, all mm-hmm. of the big cities are dealing with this homeless issue. So yeah. um, I don't know if you have any comments about it, Eric. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen the transition from, I mean, when you oh, and God, I were God. doing, you know, uh, Marriage of Bet and Boo, you know, back in the aughts, we didn't have that big of a homeless issue. I mean, I came here in 1997 you did have, you know, street performers and people who begged for change, but it mm-hmm. wasn't as bad as it is now. Yeah, I mean, and I've been doing recently until the exit closed mini shows there, and so I'm aware, aware very aware of that corridor and sure, um, but the, the populations there. This case, I think, is different because the gallery owner went to the next step and actually assaulted the person. Yes, right. it, there's a difference between, you know, yelling at someone and mm. then physically harming them. And right. And yep. I know the argument, oh, but it's just water, but that's still an assault. That's where the no. line was and, crossed. And, and in the morning? No, yeah. that would that would be <clears throat> freezing. It'd be that freezing, would, too. Yeah. So, right, yeah. right, exactly. And and I think that's why Brooke Jenkins is um, is filing the, the case. I, I imagine the, the talk, I mean, I'm, I'm not involved in, I work in the DA's office, but I'm not involved in that conversation. But I imagine it would be... They don't be, come to you? They don't say, Reg, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Um, but can a, would a jury convict it? Would it be something you know? Because if you want to oh. waste your, if you want to spend resources on it, you have to know you know. Can we actually get a conviction on this? Um, so who knows? We'll see. Speaking of court stuff, I, I was flabbergasted. I think it happened yes, no, the day before yesterday. Alec Baldwin is charged. Yeah, with you're flabbergasted. Mastery. I want to hear this. Well, it's just. I wonder why, because clearly he didn't. No actor, if you're an actor and and a stage manager, and I've been in that situation. I remember stage managing Hedda Gobbler and dealing mm-hmm. with guns, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it on the podcast before. And I've checked to make sure, hey, let's make sure that you know that the um, 
you know, that the gun is safe and all that sort of stuff. And some gun handler gave Alec Baldwin the gun and said, hey, this right. is safe. You're fine. Yep. Go. Yep. And he shot and he killed the individual. Clearly, he didn't mean it. So I do fault him for lying. He said that he didn't pull the trigger. Right. Of course he did. Yes. I don't even know why he would say something I like know. that. <laughs> but why in the world would... Now, they're saying that he's a producer. Now, I can yeah. understand how he could be at fault for... He hired the individuals who mm-hmm. were negligent in doing this. But I don't well, know. But I, he's, he's, he's charged with manslaughter, right? Involuntary, involuntary manslaughter. manslaughter. And... Uh, that sounds right to me. I'm sorry. If you're going to have guns on sets, you really do have to have a very high standard of, of care. Sure. And that there should be a chain of command, you know. Yeah. I, w- I would say he, at the very least, he should have fired the because this was, there were several instances that happened mm-hmm. uh, during the Rust set. And um, right. he, he should have fired the um, the gun handler. Prior to you know what had happened, he had yep. let he let a lot of things go. Yep. I'm hoping that it'll be settled. Um, you know, outside of this, uh, Eric, do you have any thoughts about this at all? I mean, what I find interesting is I think the point about you have a professional who is there to be in charge of the safety. Mm-hmm. That definitely seems to be a responsibility. Yep. If you say the actor also has a responsibility to check the weapon, which is a good idea as an actor, you should always check your weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you now say it's a crime if you fail to check your weapon, mm-hmm. that's a whole different story. Yeah, and that's where I'm yeah. coming from as well. Yeah. I think the prosecutors are saying, hey, you were a you um, you were a producer mm-hmm. as well as the actor. If he was charged just as the actor alone, I mean, yes, dinging him for lying is one thing, but no one no one wants to kill someone especially on set or whatever clearly he's you know it's it's not like he was just you know like having fun and he's playing recklessly, with the toy yeah. and he just recklessly you know shot something so i don't know it'll be interesting to see what's what's going on i with hope that. hollywood will come up with better rules on this to say you know cuz somebody should be somebody's dead yeah. Somebody should be held accountable for that. Yeah. I believe on the set they were cutting costs. They were they hiring were. individuals who are not professionals. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of the things. Uh, uh, also, go ahead. I was going to say, you, you make a really interesting point about the producer versus the actor. Because yeah. as mm-hmm. an actor, he did not know <clears throat> the gun was loaded. That's exactly right. But as the producer, he did have knowledge that the person he hired, there were complaints about their ethics and how they were performing. Right. So there you suddenly get into his head of like, he did know that there were issues. Right. And what, what was not done. Right, 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 exactly right. And I think that may be the issue. And that may be what the prosecution may present to the jury if it even goes to trial. I, I can't imagine it would go to trial. I think he would. If he has, if Alec Baldwin has a smart lawyer, I know he can be very uh, contentious as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. He should just, you know, try to work out a deal because I don't think anyone wants to see this in court. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on a more funnier note, well, actually, do we have any thoughts about David Crosby? Uh, it was real sad to hear him dying. I put out a little uh, video <laughs> of his early days with the birds. His, uh, right. No, his, his career is amazing, but mm-hmm. the fact that none of those guys, I mean, I think who's dead? One of them's dead. Um, but I think Nash and um, Graham and, Nash and, Young and uh, Neil Young are still around. Are still around. Still, and yeah. I was reading an interview last year with mm-hmm. them about this that they to this day are like don't want to talk to him, don't want to talk about him, want no connection to him. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, dude, you really fucked up. This is decades later, and he's apologized. Over the years. Yeah. So it's tragic, but, you know, he's an old man and he has yeah. an amazing career. I, he lived a long life. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to the interview he had with Christina Amapour. That was in 2019 where he talked about how, 
I guess they were on tour and they were doing the same old songs over and over and over again. You know how these oldie tours are. And I right. guess he was just very cantankerous as, you know, mm-hmm. as we are as older people. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I know I feel it <clears throat> at yeah. the age of 53. Um, <laughs> so it's sad. But, uh, you know, when you look back at the earlier, earlier days, um, this fun loving, you know, I saw him, you know, I saw a clip of him, excuse me, when he was with the birds, clean shaven. Mm-hmm. Happy as can be. Right. It's like, hey, we're living our lives and we're doing rock and roll. We're doing f- f- folk. Um, folk rock and roll, mm-hmm. and it's actually getting the airwaves or whatever. So, right. I'm very, I'm very much into the history of rock and roll, and so they are that transition into the Woody Guthrie folk, right? Into, into the Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan and right. how it got into psychedelics and all that stuff. So I right. thought that's very cool. Um, and I mean, Jeff Beck is the one where I'm like, wow, that. Oh, yeah, Jeff Beck. His, I wasn't into but his both music. of them. I I was surprised how many songs I knew. I just didn't you know jump them. You in any time. Most of them are <laughs> instrumental. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, you know, we're seeing the passing of an era. I mean, that's very, very, very There are true. some that are going to hit really hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now something interesting happened in football. I know I don't know if you guys are football fans, but um, so the Cowboys and 49ers will be playing tomorrow. It's going to be a big game. I've got a couple of friends who will be seeing it tomorrow. You got any money on it? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't gamble. At least not anymore. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the Cowboys okay, game. There's a story there. The Cowboys game last week against uh, Tom Brady's uh, Buccaneers. It may be the last time we see Tom Brady play. Mm-hmm. The kicker. Missed four straight field goals. Wow. A thing called the the yips. I don't know if you heard about the yips. No. The yips are basically, it happens in golf. I guess it happens in in baseball where you sort of lose, you you have this memory, um, muscle memory of doing something and then all of a sudden you forget it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in acting we get the yips as well. It's like, you know, like I know these lines. I've been memorizing these lines. You know, you jump on stage and all of a sudden, wait a minute. This line I've been saying over and over, oh my God, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> and it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like a profession like you normally. I mean, I'm sure. No, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm surprised that somebody who's getting paid like at least tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, you got one job. <laughs> really? Luckily, it didn't, you know, it didn't remount in losing the game. But, uh, you know, I felt for the guy. He may be looking for another <laughs> yeah. job and, you know. The last owner you want to piss off is Jerry Jones. But mm. the yips, we all get the yips. So <laughs> <laughs> This is true. This yeah. is true. And another funnier story. So Spike the dog is 23 years old. This is a dog that's in Ohio. It's still alive? Still alive. The oldest dog, oldest living dog. Uh, there was a dog that lived to be the age of 25. That was uh, back in the 90s. But this is the oldest living dog in the world. Right now, nope. so that's okay. <laughs> wow! So I thought that was uh, fun. I didn't know that uh, dogs could could uh, live that long. And uh, <laughs> the last funniest story before we get into an origin story. Um, apparently, there's. A I thought th- you were saying the. Um, wasn't that the dog for was it Bud or some beer? Wasn't there oh, skateboarding dog? Wasn't that? I remember. I remember him. It wasn't. But, him, but it wasn't, wasn't him. Spike. No, okay. no, he he died a long time ago. I, I know oh, that dog. <laughs> of course, celebrities. Yeah, celebrity dog. Yeah, is, you know that fast life, that fast celebrity dog life. <laughs> yeah, I believe that dog was a she. That's right. <gasps> Probably female a, dog probably better sorry better balance we gotta get our pronouns right but but, right? Pl- but played a male dog on the commercial right there you go and there's Brilliant. nothing wrong with that <laughs> 
But apparently there's, a, there's also a thing where people are abandoning dogs at the airports. You ever heard about this? No, I've not CNN heard was reporting that I guess um, people are packing, you know, when they uh, go on airports, they, I don't know where, because usually I think people carry their dogs on. I don't know if there's a, a, lot of people a do place these days. where you can ask one to store well, your dogs. You, no, you can crate them and, and put them in storage, in luggage. But, I see. Yeah. So apparently what's been going on is that people have not been picking them up. Mm. So, Okay. It it costs money and effort to get to the shipping point, so that's a lot of work to innovate with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and last thing, politically. So this this goes back to the... uh, the, um, So apparently there's a meeting in the ladies' room between uh, Laura Bobert and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Apparently uh, this is during the Kevin McCarthy... um, Speaker of the House uh, debate thing. So the uh, report came out this week that there was almost fisticuffs in the ladies' room between uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Laura Bulbert. Uh, Good so thing that, they didn't have weapons, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. Two Karens fighting. I mean, that oh, must have been must-see TV. And once again, George Santos, there's news about him. And uh, apparently he may have been a drag queen in Rio de Janeiro. Yes, which mean which there are is lots not of photos. it's not a problem if you're a Democrat, you right? Know, uh, but he's denying it, and there are pictures of him in drag. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. It's a zoo. We'll, so we'll it see. Is, well, I, and I think that's what they intended. Honestly, I think they just want to yeah. drag out two years of getting not a goddamn thing done. Yeah, and and I I want to get your your thoughts in Eric about just the state of politics. I mean, um, um, Janice. Jen- Jennifer Yellen, Janice Yellen, our, um, she's our treasurer. Yes. But she's been warning us that if the Republicans don't raise the debt ceiling, we're going to go into default. Right. So we can laugh at all about, you know, George Santos or whatever, but, you know, these are serious things. Where do you, th- I mean, are you surprised at all of the state of where, I don't know, American politics are? I mean, there's been a steady decline for a few decades now, but yeah. we're definitely reaching a point where it's no longer dysfunctional. It's to the point where the dysfunction could have grave consequences. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, such as defaulting on the debt. You know, there, there are points when things need to get done, and it was rare when we'd have um, a government mm-hmm. shut down, and now right. it seems like it's almost a periodic thing and right and it costs money to shut the government down and then reopen it so yeah. so, so it's all about the protests and the spectacle yeah right i remember the very first um i remember working uh just before i came here i worked for the corporation for national service since in 96 during um it may have been even 94 no 96 um that was when um newt gingrich had taken over uh, Congress mm-hmm. during Clinton's second presidency, and that's when you had this contentious thing about, hey, you know, we're going to it's just us versus them, right? And government shutdowns actually happened, and I had friends who worked in the federal government who wasn't getting paid mm-hmm. uh, because of the shutdown. They're talking about Social Security payments not coming out if mm-hmm. there's a shutdown. So you're absolutely right. You know, when old people start complaining, I'm sure the Republicans will think twice about, mm-hmm. oh no, we're affecting our constituency. You know, we better clean it up. So, so we'll see. With that origin story, Eric Johnson, um, where were you born and raised? How did the theater bug bite you? Um, I'm a Barrier native. Right oh, on. yeah? Yeah. Um, where, where? I was uh, born in Mountain View. So, a uh, nice place. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I always say it was Mountain View before Mountain View. 
um, because <laughs> has it changed a lot? Oh my gosh, it's changed so much. Well, I mean, yeah. it, this is before all the tech, before know? Silicon Valley. Before yeah. Silicon Valley, it was cool. just it was just burgeoning. You know, um, I, I always thought like, oh yeah, on my street there were you know apricot orchards, right? Wow. And yeah. Now, no, no, no. Um, so yeah, it's really it's really changed. Yeah, siblings. Um, I have um, a brother, and then I have two half sisters. All right. Are you the oldest, youngest? I'm in the middle. Okay. So my sisters are older, and my brother's younger. Cool. And then, um, so I, yeah, I really started doing acting like many people in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a we had a great little department. Um, mm-hmm. It was run by a woman named Kathy Dewar, who was I've since learned a total hippie, just letting the kids do their thing. Nice. <laughs> it's like. You know, she was like, I felt like she was one of those drama teachers for like from the movies where she was, you know, <laughs> she was just out there, feel it, do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she gave us so much uh, freedom and encouragement to just do what, we, not do what we want, but, you know, explore and, and, sure. and really take chances. And yeah. we had some great times. Um, then I went to college at mm-hmm. a little school called UC Santa Cruz mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Yeah. And um, when I was there, we had, it, it was like called like the best hidden theater department. In oh, the West nice. Coast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Dr. Danny Shea was a teacher. Right. <laughs> you know, I was in a show with Danny Shea. You know, nice. It was it was just that kind. It was just that kind of um, yeah. environment. Nice. Now, when you were, I mean, did you decide when in high school, hey, this is my thing. This is the thing I want to do. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I think in high school, I like, I'm like, I really enjoy like both the process, the people, the storytelling, and all that. But at mm-hmm. the same time, um. I also knew that I don't I like I personally don't think I'm that good and I definitely understood that there's a whole business side to the business mm-hmm. and I'm like and that I'm horrible at. And so like so for me it's like I enjoy what we're doing as artists. I mm-hmm. don't want to make this my vocation. Yeah. Uh, because it is such a difficult road. Well, yes it is. Now, do you have a do you have a day job? I, I mean, yeah, I do. So. What do you do? Um I do research. Okay, okay, well, I can just leave it there. <laughs> but you know, it sustains you. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, it sustains me, and that, and and that is part part of. I think it's very important. Is having um, a base is so helpful of something you can. Uh, it does sustain you, and and I have so many friends who um, are just like doing gig to gig. Mm-hmm. You know, they have just they have side hustles here. Um, they are picking up any job anywhere. Yeah, and I'm so impressed by their passion and, and their ability to like. You know, juggle 30, 37 different projects. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, but it is a hard life. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. One thing that we've always asked a lot of our guests, because a lot of folks, they're like, hey, you know, theater is fun and I want to do it because, you know, I get, you know, this, this energy that I have out of me. And then they drop it. They're like, okay, I've, I, let me do what they call the adulting thing and get married and have kids and settle down and I can push that part of my life away. But some of us just hold on to it. And we don't let it go. Yeah, I mean, and that I, I've seen that a lot, and yeah. and it and it and it saddens me because, like, for example, um, and when we did the marriage of Boo, Heather, Heather is an amazing actor. Yeah, we're hoping to get her on very soon. One, of, you know, one of the best people I've ever worked with. But you know, she went on to do a different career. She later had a child, and I don't think I've seen her on stage in years. And I'm like, it's a shame because she's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sad, and we've talked about to a lot of women. How it how difficult it is uh, to battle parenthood and also you know do the stage. Some are very very successful, and usually you need theaters to help you be successful, like you know with daycare and managing schedules and things like that. And some are like, hey, listen, you can either do it or you can't, and and you know that's it. But 
Why do you think you've held on to it? I mean, you're still doing it. I mean, you're still doing that. We're going to talk about the Twilight Zone oh, yeah. that you've been uh, continuing to do, continuing to do, even when the dark room, you know, has left, and now um, the exit has gone, and you're still going to continue doing um, the the Twilight Zone. But why do you hold on to it? That's a. I mean, it's a good question because I think there's part of me that was like, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, it's what I do. Um, and there are days I'm like, why do I do this? I put in so much, <laughs> why, I'm putting in so much effort and, you know, and there, there are hard days and you're like, I could just not do this and life would be easier. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it, there is something that drives you back and there, there is, it's, there is the community. There is the people who are telling the stories. There are stories that need to be told, you yeah. know? And so it, it, that's what gets you excited. You know, the, when yeah. you, you know, you're lying in bed in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, but we could do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it, and you like feel it um so i don't know it I, it does give me something to do which i think is sustaining and is fuel uh, yeah but at the same time you, you know I, i'm not like you know you had a good run you could leave that'd be okay too <laughs> <laughs> right now a question i have because you and i met at 2001 uh when we were <clears throat> like i don't know if you know a little bit about my history but prior to the marriage of Benton boo i got connected with doing the marriage of Benton boo that's a play by christopher durang a uh, wonderful black comedy but raymond ray he produced it and directed it and i worked with raymond ray when i was a part of a group called bay stage and uh we did water buffalo which raymond was an actor in wonderful comic actor and uh, so he brought me in to do, uh, he was like, hey, I need a stage man for The Marriage of Benton Boo. And you auditioned. So the question I have is, what were you doing prior to that? Uh, were you uh, like a regular actor in the Bay Area, you know, auditioning and things like that? W- what shows did you do prior to Benton Boo? Okay, so I had an interesting little sojourn. Um, I actually um, moved to L.A. Mm, um, okay. And so I lived in L.A. for a few years. And so I actually, I think. Late Marjorie- 90s? Uh, late nineties, yeah, yeah. So I think Merger Bet was one of the first shows I did when I came back. Is that right? Yeah. Um, okay. And I would, and and, to, and I think this is a good point, a jumping out point too. Sure. Um, I went to L.A. Um, just for various reasons, and I got involved in the theater scene there. And mm-hmm. and for me, that w- it was so informative because um, I joined a theater company down in L.A., the Sacred Fools. Okay. Still around, um, but when I joined, they were like just starting. Yeah. And. It was creative energy. It was chaos, um, and we had so much fun just just throwing stuff up on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to work with so many people who were thinking about the next level. Yeah, you know, I would I was in shows where like you were a day player, um, you know, on this soap opera, and sure, you, sure, sure. you were you were the the guest star <laughs> on this on this comedy. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I'm working with people in my mind are famous, you right. know, mm-hmm. and I'm on stage with them. I'm yeah. Like, how did this happen? Um, but it really opened my eyes to like to see what it takes to be at that level and, sure. and what and the choices you have to make and the compromises. Um, there was a woman in our company. She sold so much like laundry detergent. Oh you know, wow! But that's how she bought her house. You know, right? You know. Oh, and, you mean as far as commercials are concerned? Yeah, as commercials. Yeah, she, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you can you you can pull out commercials from that era and, and you'll see her just selling every household product. She like she's like the young mom. And yeah. but she bought a house off that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so no judgment, um, right? But it was it was so eye opening to go. I'm so excited to see people who I like, who I believe are talented, who deserve this, working it. Yeah, it's something I could not do. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. One question I had for you, Norman. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever asked you in the six years that we've been doing the A. 
Have you have you been on stage with someone who is, I guess, famous or has been on TV and all this stuff? I mean, Margot Hall, you know, she's done Soul and she's right. Yeah, but I mean, I I was on stage with her before all that. <laughs> sure. But, um, uh, no, I mean, the closest was we were doing uh, Asian American Theater was uh, producing Jeannie Baroga's Walls. Yeah, and. They were in conversation with um, George... Uh, Takei! Takei, right. yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll never forget that, because we were in rehearsal, and suddenly he walks in with his partner and, you know, the artistic director or somebody, and they're having a conversation, because they were trying to get up uh, Allegiance, mm-hmm. which eventually they did, yeah. but um, not the Asian American Theater, but they, um, yeah, they eventually company. got up. So that was the only time I've been in the room, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, so far... But um, I mean, I was a basically a dead body for God Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I did a scene where my character gets shot. And Nash, I Bridges, right? Nash Bridges, yeah, Nash Bridges, yeah. And he drives up and he gets out of his car and he walks over and he stands over me and they do the little, you know, yeah. he's got some little quippy thing and then they go to the opening credits, right? Uh-huh. So they shoot his stuff and he was going, he was flying to Hawaii that night. So. They said, Mr. Johnson, you are done. And he says, great working with you, Norman. <laughs> like, yeah, dead body. Okay. Yeah. You were, uh, weren't you a serial killer? I, no, serial rapist. Serial rapist. Okay. Damn sorry. it. Get it right. I would never kill anybody. <laughs> I, I had a friend who um, did a little Nash Bridges, and his war stories were very similar. He goes, it's just community theater. It's a lot of money, but it's just community theater. <laughs> right. They are, that's... They're just shooting it and throwing it up, move on. They don't mm-hmm. have time to think about it. And he said the craziest <laughs> things would happen, often accidents, sometimes purposeful, yeah. and they don't have time to fix it. They're like, we, okay, we got it. We'll fix it in post. Move on. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, professional? So he goes, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> right, right, right. No, it's a very different animal. And yeah. your skill set is a very different, different skill set. Exactly. But, and I'm glad I knew that by the time I did it, because otherwise I would have been panicked. Like, Wait a minute. I, 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 I. Yeah. You know, someone would do something completely different. They're like, oh, we, we can fix it. No, yeah. Not yeah. And, and it makes you think about perfection, because I think about perfection a lot. I'm like, you know, before I go on stage, I'm like, okay, I got you, you know, like, <clears throat> these are my lines and this is what I'm doing and I've got to figure you know, and I don't want to make any mistakes. And a lot of times the mistakes are the thing right. that makes yeah. theater natural. Yeah, and I wouldn't say sloppy, but I've, I've definitely gotten looser in mm-hmm. my approach to the stage. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a different mindset for some actors. Some actors are like, no, it has to be perfect. It has to be, you know, especially when we rehearse things, especially when it comes to like combat or, you know, the intimacy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you want to make sure the things are absolutely right. But there are some actors who spontaneity is the thing, especially when you get into comedy. It's like, hey, you know, it can't be the same. We can't do the same performance as mm-hmm. we did last night right. or the night right. before. we got to find something new. So Yeah, I mean, part of rehearsal is to make the mistakes and weed out them and keep all the good stuff. Right. Yeah. But especially for comedy, yeah, you need to have that energy, that, that zap. And mm-hmm. if you lock that in, it will fail. Yes, mm-hmm. and speaking of comedy, you are a fantastic comic. I was, Shut I was, up! No, no, no. It's it's, it's, it's I so true. Hear. I mean, the marriage of Benton Boo, and coming from a time. Okay, so we did Water Buffalo, and Water Buffalo. Although I enjoyed the the play, it shut down Bay Stage. It was one of those things where we barely brought in three audience members a night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was just dead silence. We were we were you know we were doing a show for the roaches basically. Mm-hmm. 
And it brought down morale. It shut down the company. And a lot of us, like, you know, Travis Bedard, Bob Zick, myself, were just sort of nomads saying, okay, what other theater thing can we work on? And Raymond Ray calls me and says, hey, I'm doing a thing called The Marriage of Bet and Boo. And, you know, I'm like, do you want a stage manager? I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. And at the time, I had broken up with, did I break up with, yes, I broke up with a girlfriend at the time. And I was really, really depressed. Mm-hmm. I needed that show to pick up my spirits Get because it was so yeah. <laughs> zany, so wild, so crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about dead, I mean, if you know the play, dead babies and you're, you know. Oh, and, that sounds fun. And, you know, you, and we and I had to, as a stage manager, get a prop, <laughs> which was a, uh, a thing of flour, like a pound of flour wrapped up. Look, looking like a baby and someone will just you know like drop the baby on the ground pop <laughs> and that got a laugh and it was like very very dark humor and it came at a time September 11th 2001 oh wow audience members needed to laugh and so those are my memories of the marriage of Bet and Boo what were your memories I mean, it is an incredibly dark show mm-hmm. um, That and that's I mean I love Christopher Durang I, I love how dark his humor is mm-hmm. yeah. and, but it did play into like we did go through this huge tragedy but there was this cathartic need to laugh. Yeah. And you were laughing at horrible things. I mean, the, the play is about a failed marriage and a woman who keeps having dead babies. Right. Which oh, is wow. not yeah. funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a hilarious show because um, it's wistful. <laughs> um, it's in, and it's it's told from the, the perspective of, like, I, I learned some things. And so you can actually see the characters grow. Yeah. Um, but also every character is completely crazy. Yeah. That, that's what Except for the narrator, Jeremy Sawyer. I disagree. He also crazy. Oh, is he? Okay. okay. I, have to, I have to reread the play because uh, well, Jeremy played uh, it so straight. So, right, yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, spoilers. It's the Mary Sue part. It's Chris. It's clearly Christopher Durang. Yeah. Um, and he tells the story, but he's an unreliable narrator. Ah, I see. Mm. I see. But yes, everyone is absolutely zany. I mean, it really is like a Saturday Night Live skit. Is it or even darker than Saturday Night even Live? Darker, yeah. And it was amazing how I'm so we first did it at they call it the build, which was a uh, really it wasn't even a theater, it was like a renovated it used to be a laundromat, right? <laughs> and it was an art space, it, it, held, yeah. it held events, it, it was a gallery, yeah, it, it was very multi purpose artistic. It didn't even have lights, it didn't even have a, a board, oh, a grid, no. a grid. Oh. And uh, I remember Raymond had called in someone to do lighting, and the person came in the space and was like, what are you talking about? There's no, we can't do any lighting. Yeah. You can't afford to, you know, mm. post any things there. The poor audience had to, if you had to go to the bathroom, you had to walk through the the stage. Which space was this? <laughs> it's called The Build. It's, it's called The Build. I'm sure it's not even around oh, anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, it was like 16th and... It's Guerrero. Oh no no no! That's uh, oh yeah okay yes yeah, so that that's that. Oh oh, I might remember that. Yeah, but yeah. it's not even it's yeah. to call it a theater space is is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but we did a revival at um, the exit at Taylor. As yes. a matter of fact, I believe we were the first show right. at the exit at Taylor. Yes. And so, Very cool. Very and, cool. And the only reason that could happen was, was the success. We brought in all sorts of audiences. One of our actors, I don't know if you remember this, Eric, was Gretchen Howe. I, I adore Gretchen. Yeah. Whose father was Art Howe, who was the manager at the time of the Oakland A's. Yes. As a matter of fact, the Oakland A's, when they were going to, I think they were close to getting to the World Series. Yeah, yeah. And he was the manager, and he was still coming to the shows. Yeah, he and came bringing to, friends. He was. I mean, I, I met Art Howe through Gretchen, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is just too weird." I'm like, I'm hanging out with you know the, ma- the manager of this very successful baseball team, um, and 
Very cool. So one, one thing I, I thought just was so weird about Trevor worked. So Gretchen played my mom, and I am older than Gretchen. <laughs> But she she has like such that old soul energy. Yeah, she yeah, played she did. a mom so well, mm-hmm. and she and her and that was a hard character. But she was the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah, and she so cheerfully took it. Like so, so she played she played that that role and the part within like you know, yeah. the way the script came together. Yeah. so well because you knew the the joke was going to land on her, mm-hmm. and she cheerfully took it. And like yeah. and her ability to take it is what gave the audience permission to laugh. Yeah, she played that Carol Brady sort of thing, like always smiling, and our family is wonderful, and of course all sorts of crazy things. Right. And I still talk to Brent Blower all the time, and of Brent was, you know, the horrible, wasn't he, he the husband yeah. of Gretchen? Yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and uh, Brent, he came from a company called Theater Rhubarb, as a matter of fact, him and I think uh, Brian Brian Bonham, oh. who played the uh, minister, he he has been on the podcast before. Literally had no problem. And you talk about an actor taking a direction. It's like, listen, uh, we want you to play a strip of bacon, yeah. and you're going to sizzle on the ground. <laughs> It's 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 part of the monologue, which uh-huh. is one of, the, one of the best monologues in the show. Yeah, he's giving a sermon. Okay, <laughs> I think, actually, I think it's uh, during the death. It's either the death of one of the children. Yeah, I guess, and he's I don't know. I don't know what analogy. I have to look at the script to see why yeah. he brought that up. But that's how fun it was. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was at a time where everyone sort of needed it. I mean, was it a catharsis for you to do it during you know those times? It, it, it was because um, there was. So much going on, um, and a lot of time we talked about um, at the time was the death of irony that you couldn't, yes. you just couldn't be near ironic anymore because everything was so serious and so real. And yeah. so this was an outlet for people to like get back into like, well, yeah, we do live in a complex world, and there are horrible things, but there are also things you can laugh at. And, yeah. and how can we sort of mold them back together? How can we go forward from other than being in this place of just you know in a perpetually dark place? Yeah, the death of irony. That is such a cool concept. I mean, Norman, when's the last time you've done like a, like a slapstick comedy, just, you know, crazy, or you've done well, more serious stuff? I do playground, so yeah. <laughs> we, we do weirdness all the time. And do you see uh, artists uh, like writers bringing in like just straight up? There. So we just did Monday Night Playground. I, for the first time, I didn't even mention that mm-hmm. earlier. Um, for the first time in like 10 years, I actually performed in a Monday Night Playground. I'm, these days I've been directing mm-hmm. mostly um, and you know these short pieces there was a beautiful piece that was mostly two characters just saying bye to mm. each other mm. and uh, and a narrator who once it's established that this is the narrator just is calling out numbers di- of the different ways that mm. people can say goodbye mm. <laughs> and you know which sounds like nothing but it ended up being just over the top ridiculous it was so satisfying interesting interesting um talk to me eric about the twilight zone um how did you get involved in that and uh why why has that been something i mean i love the twilight zone especially the rod serling you know back in the 50s and 60s you know so so many areas that he wanted to talk about or whatever but i remember being part of the twilight zone parody when it was at the um darkroom theater darkroom uh, I remember it was David Stein who got me into that. That was 2006. And that was fun. And I sort of delved into the dark room and they were doing Bad Movie Night and the the gong show, just bringing all sorts of wild and crazy characters, even individuals who are not actors, you know, just folks, hey, I want to entertain. I want to get on stage. And that was such a fun environment. 
And we've talked about that on the podcast before. Um, and the Twilight Zone came from that. Um, were you involved in, in that during that time or what, did it come later on? Um, I was on and off. Um, I did get, so just so everyone mm-hmm. knows, um, it's the Twilight Zone, the parody series started at the Dark Room mm-hmm. 20 years ago, like like 2002, 2003. Yeah. Or maybe 2004. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, pretty early odds. Yeah. And um, it was one of the mainstays at the Dark Room. And I got involved in, to, I got pulled into an episode. It's It's a very... It's a very chaotic, haphazard project, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, there's, it, it's very deliberately decentralized. So you got a lot of you got a lot of tentacles out there, and then the next thing you know, someone calls you and says, "Hey, I need a, I need you to come in for a part." Oh, we open in a week. You mm. know, you're like, "Sure, let's do it." Yeah. Um, and so that got me wrapped into some of the dark room projects. Like I, um, I was in the last dark room show. Um, we did Batman Live. Oh, nice. And uh, yes, I, I was Robin. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I can see you as Burt Ward. <laughs> Yes, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but the dark room was an amazing playground. But it, yeah, it, it unfortunately closed like so many theaters. It was like in my mind, like among the the beginning of the parade of of closing spaces. Yeah, um, which really allowed people to like experiment and you know, just ferment crazy ideas. Yeah. Um, so we knew the Twilight Zone special, and so Jim, who ran the dark, um, the dark room, Jim Fortianis, yeah. yeah. He handed it off um, to my now friend and I, who I call my theater wife, um, Danny Spinks. Mm-hmm. And she's with uh, Dreams on the Rocks okay. Productions. And so, you know, he, he said, here's this project. He, you know, it works. You have my blessing to carry it forward. So mm-hmm. she, so Danny took it over, gosh, seven years ago? I'd have to, I'd have to look, look at a calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and because she knew that I was one of the people who was in the prior iterations. Yeah. You know, she, and then just slowly we've, we've worked out this good um, just – professional relationship like we have different skill sets yeah and so it's her it's her brainchild it's her vision she's the one who comes up with the big visions mm-hmm. um but you know i help i help her wrangle all the madness um and so we've been doing it for several years um we were mostly at the exit because it's the exit was such a good space for that kind of show yeah because mm-hmm. you could you could take root you could you could um set up shop for a month and this is something which is there are a lot of black boxes in the bay area yeah but the exit was one of the few places where you could actually do a long form where you could actually you know inhabit your own stage for a month yeah um and that is a rare thing yeah and now it's gone and now it's gone um and so we, we've been doing this for several years we obviously shut down during um the pandemic which was difficult but um we were able to come back this year, and it was it was so good to bring back the project, and we had such a success with it that um, there's a a film festival, another hole in the head, and they they do um, they they specialize in the horror genre. Yeah, and they loved it so much they said we want your show to be um, part of our film festival. It's like a live theater and a film festival. Sure, hey. why not? Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up performing in December um, more Twilight Zone episodes yeah. at Stageworks, which was it was Ooh, good because mm-hmm. the, the film festival only wanted one weekend, and we're like, Stageworks is perfect for a one weekend show because mm-hmm. we can we can mm-hmm. move in, set up shop, and then move out. Right. Um, so it was it, it, it was a good mix because um, Stageworks is run by Ty, mm-hmm. who was part of the Dark Room. So Ty McKenzie. Ty yeah. McKenzie. Ooh. I've been trying to get her on. She yeah. doesn't want to do it. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So it's so it's like full circle because you know Ty, Ty was there at the beginning of the the Dark Room. Yes, and the right. Twilight Zone. 
you know, we're bringing back here. Um, so it's like, it was good to like go, you know, it, it did feel like a lot of like old strings coming back together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so we're, and so we're, we're happy with the product. I mean, it's not serious theater. It's for fun. Sure. You know, yes. We do sometimes have messages like, like for example, we just did, um, uh, the Eye of the Beholder, which spoilers a sixty-year-old episode. It's the yeah. one where the eventually attractive woman is actually ugly, and the oh, right, people yeah. are yeah, attractive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except, you know, we made it very clear that instead of being about the attractiveness, it was about their sexuality. Yeah, you know? ah, so, interesting. So, and so, ah, uh-huh. and so, so we updated it. So, and it, right. we had a we had a moral. Um, yeah. So yeah, we do have plans to do the Twilight Zone this year. Um, we're looking at the summer. It's when we like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A project we were working on before the pandemic was we want to do a revival of Edward Scissorhands. Ooh, that'd be nice. So that's also on our plate. And then um, the the Hole in the Head really enjoyed what we did. So we are working on a project TBD Mm -hmm. that will hopefully uh, be part of their festival next year. So I'm amazed that we've gone from, um, you know, we were throwing together shows, Mm -hmm. we had the pandemic, and then suddenly we, we are looking at three projects this year. That's awesome. I'm like, wow. Yeah, you know, there's some folks who are like, you know, the physical space may be gone, but we're not going to go. We're right. going to hold on to it. And I'm so, um, you know, that's that, <clears throat> that 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 picks up my spirit, you know, both as a theater goer and also as an actor. And I know Scott Munson, we've had him on. He's been a writer uh, emeritus for uh, for the dark for for the Twilight Zone. Yeah, he's many, written, many he's written some great episodes. He's an, he's a great writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he is. You and I were talking off mic. Scott should be writing for yeah. <laughs> movies and in television shows. Yeah. Uh, he's that talented. Yeah, he is. Yeah, we we he we, he really did this episode. Um, and it was an original episode in the spirit of the Twilight Zone, so it wasn't. Uh-huh. Um, but it was it was a retelling of Shakespeare, uh-huh. um, and. It was such a good script because it had Shakespeare jokes, so those nerds could like it. It had Twilight sure. Zones, so those nerds could like it. But if, uh. if you weren't in either of the camps, it was still just a funny show. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, there, there is, there is, there is Easter eggs for everybody. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm like, this is such a <laughs> yeah. good script. I think I, was, I saw one Twilight Zone parody episode where I think he brought back. It was it was Tennessee Williams. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I forget who the actor was who uh, did that. You know, the the white suit and all that yeah. stuff. But it was uh, mm. it was really really cool. Yeah. You said something which also it, it, it's about the people. Um, yes, because uh, I was also involved um, in, in, in yet different group. Was, sure, um, part of the the Thrill Peddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, who oh, such crazy shows they did mm-hmm. such crazy shows, mm-hmm. um, and I was. Involved is specifically in the Shocktoberfest, which is their, their horror festival, mm-hmm. and that was another place where they really grew because they had their own space, and then it was taken away, um, mm-hmm. lost or lease, and so that shut down the theater company, and that was right. devastating because they had they had an incredible crowd, mm. um, they had a built-in fan base that just loved everything they did. I mean, mm, it was yeah. just the saddest thing. But there were so many people involved who said, "We here are the magic." This, yeah. is, this is a room. We yeah. are the magic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they've gone different places. Like, there's definitely um, a cohort that now does a lot of shows at yeah. the Oasis. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There was a group that um, sort of sprang out of that, the Palace of Trash, which was like an iteration of sort of the drag aspect. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so now they are like a, a drag troupe. And yeah. they performed at the Stud, which was another great place for experimenting. Mm-hmm. Also gone. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. Every time I drive by, I'm like, really? Because it. Uh, you know, it moved around. I remember yeah. so, thinking it was, you know, the stud was just 
core. It is core. It is, yeah. Yeah. Of an era, I I guess. I do wonder, and I know we're getting close to the one-hour mark. Um, Norma, here's a question for you. When you go to, uh, when you did the uh, playground, San Francisco, Mm -hmm. What what was the crowd like? I mean, I guess my main question is: uh, When's the this last, last time? Monday? Yeah, not many. We, yeah, we, our numbers are significantly down. Um, yeah. What's interesting is because of the lockdown. Yeah. Um, the union made some concessions, so we're able to stream, so we can live stream during the show, mm-hmm. and um, because of that, the agreement. Um, if you get a ticket, you can actually see the show for about a week. Yeah. Mm. So you don't have to just, it doesn't have to be live. Okay. Um, and that's really changed things. So we're getting numbers mm-hmm. of people buying tickets for the streaming. Sure. Um, and, you know, you can track some of that. You can see when people are logging yeah. on and when they're logging off. Um, they're not necessarily seeing it live, but yeah. they're coming back and seeing it later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the live numbers. I'm... I was just thinking about it as we were starting to talk because what needs to happen is we need to start encouraging more of just our friends and folks to come out Mm -hmm. when we get a lot of performers that are involved in the show. We need to get them to start encouraging their folks to come out um, because there's a lot of space and the audience is required to be masked. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of space. It feels safe. And yet... Like, we had enough. There was enough of an audience, so there were some funny pieces, mm-hmm. and that response, that crowd response was there. And I was like, wow, we, this is just popping. This is incredible. But- yeah, because I was wondering, when is the last time you were in a show where you got a big audience, a significant audience? Uh, Great Expectations, we got some audiences. This okay. was down in San Jose stage yeah. last, you know, 21, uh, December 21. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we got okay. we got some so we got possible. some good houses. Yeah. Um, but even then, you know, by that theater standards, you know, no, nothing has approached the numbers that we used to have. People are afraid to come. Yeah, and that was wild because that was the first full season back for many places. Sure, and um, when we weren't sure if audience how yeah. audience is going to respond, and it's very weird to perform for a masked audience. It's a it was then a different animal. Sure. This last Monday night, they were so raucous. I was oh, like, wow, y'all are in masks and y'all are making this much noise. It's no, that's great. good. And I don't know if it's fear or if it's just reluctance. I just don't know because we were talking about, you know, the Regal filed for bankruptcy. So right. we talked about movie theaters uh, for a while now, uh, just closing down. Yep. I actually saw, speaking of movies, I saw The Whale, the Brendan Fraser oh, flick. Oh, okay. Excellent film. Yeah, it's Dark, gotten lots of rage. But, um, you know, I'm so glad to see Brendan Fraser. You know, we have so used to him seeing him doing George of the Jungle yeah, and The comedies, Mummy yeah. and stuff like that. But him doing a serious, and it's really a play. Mm-hmm. It's based on a play, a 2012 play that was adapted for the movie Everything Happens Within the um, the Living Room. Huh. Um, so, and I, I enjoy those uh, movie pieces. But when I went to the movie theater, there were only two people. Yeah, me and then one other person. Yeah. So I just don't know if people congregate anymore. They they do in new ways. Mm-hmm. Like it was weird being at the alley last night because I go for there's a dinner set, mm-hmm. and so I go in for that and I get to sing and it's nice. Uh, you know, the place was maybe half full, maybe a little less than half full. Mm-hmm. 
By the time we finished an hour and a half later, there was not an empty seat. The whole place was full, and more people were streaming in. And I was like, mm. okay, y'all are not worried about this. And, you know, that's a big change from six months ago. Yeah, well, that's good. And I think it's the reason why uh, companies like Piano Fight strive, because you know, people don't just go for the theater. They go to drink, mm-hmm. and I think they also have a karaoke, or they can sing. So, you know, yeah. so, that's, so yeah, that's good. Uh, Piano Fight, I mean... It is such like an anchor of the theater community. Like, mm-hmm. if you are at all involved in the theater world, you can go there and you will mm-hmm. see someone, and you will yes, like, you will be able to uh, like, what are you up to? What are you up to? Uh, yeah. so, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm like those two for being able to build what they build is just incredible. They had I was I knew them before before Piano Fight existed, uh-huh. and and they were talking about. It. I'm like, you guys, no, no, no. It was so above their heads, mm-hmm. but then they pulled it off. I'm like, that is an amazing. I like I was, it I is was amazing hearing them go from their dream to actually building it and seeing it flourish. I was like, I am so impressed by what they have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that is very, very awesome. So, Eric, where do you see yourself in the future? You know, do you want to, how long do you think you'll continue doing the Twilight Zone? Um, you know, I, I didn't even ask, Does your, is your wife involved in theater at all? I mean, how does she feel about all of this? <laughs> my, my actual wife, um, no, she, 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 I mean, she knows a lot of people in the theater community. She actually um, um, was worked, she worked back uh, for TBA way back in the day. Okay. So, so she's well aware of, like, the players. Yeah, TBA, T- Theater Bay Area? Yeah. Oh, cool. Way back in the day. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, it's not anymore, and yeah. it's also. Um, so she's supportive. Uh, she has her own ha- her own hobbies, her own passions, um, okay. and so we 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 have a very good arrangement. We're like, you have the thing which you are very passionate. I'm very passionate about the thing we do, and so and mm-hmm. we work out. We balance like, okay, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to take some time to okay work on my project. Mm-hmm. You do yours, sure. Um, and it's a good balance for us. Yeah, um, so she's very supportive of me. I'm very supportive of her. Well, that's awesome. Um, gosh, question of how long? I don't know. I mean. I've been saying, you know, it's time for me to hang up and like, but then, hey, we're gonna, I got an idea. I got an idea for a show. Let's do it. We're like, that's a brilliant idea. Run. And next thing mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, and I'm booked for a year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not hanging up this year. <laughs> <laughs> and I f- think it might just go on that way until one day it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, we're going to go, well, that was some crazy madness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah. Right. So I guess that's the answer, you know, if, as long as you uh, keep getting the offers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, if you, I mean, I think the answer is, um, I don't know why I still have the passion. I have the passion. Yeah. If the passion is there, I'm fine. Yeah. Here's the last question for the both of you. I remember talking with my dad, because my dad is a singer, and um, and he basically says, you know, if I didn't sing, if there weren't, you know, if I didn't get a phone call to sing at some funeral or some, you know, church service or something like that, I just don't know what I would do. It's almost like part of my existence. Would I exist anymore if I stopped doing what I do? Do you, did two of you feel that way? I mean, could you could Norman G be Norman G if they weren't if you just stopped theater, cold turkey? Oh yeah, no, I, I've I've thought about it a lot, especially in recent years because I keep playing characters where I honestly do not understand why I got cast, mm. and I mean. There's some where I do have some sense of it. I have some sense of it, but it doesn't feel like me. And the um, the stretch is interesting to me, personally interesting to me. But as an actor, I'm like, okay, that's just, you know, that's dialect or that's, I don't know, sometimes like the character I did last summer where I just envisioned the guy as being about four inches taller than me and, you know, 60 pounds or 80 pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, 
No, more like 60, 40 to 60 pounds. Enough so that it just gave him weight. That was just, that's what's in my head. It's like the audience doesn't see that. They don't know that. Um, and I saw a video of it and I was like, damn, that really does come through. That's frightening <laughs> to me that mm-hmm. that I can do that. Um, but I think about, you know, and it's in the last, with the lockdown, I, um, I found myself talking more and more about my garden and hanging out with the cats and there's a part of me that says, maybe that would be okay. Mm. <laughs> so I can't see stopping because, like you said, opportunities just keep coming up or a thought, an idea comes up. And I'm like, that's great. No, we can do that. Let's make this happen. As long as that's going, I, can, I figure I'll keep doing it. But I, I did think about that because our identities get so wrapped up in the what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, is that who I am? And I decided, no, that's not who I am. It's what I do. So yeah, I'll keep doing it, but, um, but it's not who I am. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting concept because a lot of times we don't know who we are, how we are seen until a director says, hey, I want you to play someone who's, I don't know, six feet tall or something like that. You're mm-hmm. not that, but I'm sure you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you see me as that. Okay, well, let me right. give it a shot. And yeah. all of a sudden, you're doing something, but it's based on someone else's interpretation or someone else, their vision of what they see you as. And all of a sudden, you know, that's you. And sometimes that could be an enlightening thing. It's like, wow, someone sees me as that. Or something could be uh, like, oh, wait a minute. The parent thing. Yeah. I Now I'm in that age group where I play the parent of adult characters, like Hamlet. You know, I was layered. I was Polonius. Yeah, Polonius, yeah. So, and I'm like, how do I make that real? Because that's not my experience. I I don't know that at all. And then I thought, well, no, I talk to young people all the time and and realize it's no different. Because you can talk to one parent who feels completely bonded with their child, but they can't stand them growing up. And you can talk to other parents who... It's all just relaxed and casual and, you know, you know, the whole spectrum. And I was like, oh, just just be me and trust the script. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, have, I was going to say, I have something related where I, when, I, when I do legitimate theater, <laughs> yeah. um, I was noticing I was being uh, directed towards, like you said, parents of adults. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not really a role I'm familiar with in real life. And, so, mm-hmm. and also, mm-hmm. I don't find it that interesting to be honest mm-hmm. um because uh, you can see the magic behind it of like this is a character which is meant to either move this plot forward or create conflict it's it's not right. essential to the story it's there to be an obstruction to the, the lead characters mm-hmm. right and right you're like, okay what if um and so yeah those roles have not been interesting so mm-hmm. be that as much sense oh my god mm-hmm. sure yeah and so like if that's all my plate was yeah i, I might go okay i've had a good time mm-hmm. um but like to go back to where you were yeah. like if you're at, i'm at like a, a party with you know they're normals mm-hmm. you know and like and, and, they're, and you're talking to someone who you don't know well and they're, they're trying to, they'll always lead with so you do any shows lately and then yeah the light lights up and i'm like funny you should say that we just got this idea and then next thing you know they're like oh my gosh i love star trek and then like they will like nerd out on whatever <laughs> thing you just right. said <clears throat> right and you can see that um it, i can see the reflection in people's eyes like you're the person who does weird theater um and you have weird hobbies and very weird specializations. You click with someone about that, and suddenly you're off to the races. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're you know, your besties. Yeah, isn't it strange that normalcy, like you know, like like in my day job, you know, like they see me as oh, you know, I'm a normal individual, a paralegal, and you know, mm-hmm. we talk shop and work, whatever. And then the minute I mention oh, 
I write plays. And they're like, oh, well, what play are you writing about? Well, I'm writing about an individual who wakes up as one person, then he wakes up again, and he's another person, and he doesn't know which is which. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, that is really weird. It's funny how strangeness or weirdness can draw people in like a magnet. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is a break from, I don't know, what's the weather like? Right. <laughs> or the Yankees or, mm-hmm. or something like that. It's funny how, and I think that's the magic of theater, because you see, I think it's even greater magic than what we see in movies, or even television. Well, yeah. Although there are some interesting television, but really when you walk to a black box theater, you have no idea what your experience is going to be. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people about assignments and, and the shows that I do, they're like, wow, that is really... And they're like, wow, I'm seeing Reggie in a different light. So when I think mm-hmm. of theater and how it enhances me, I mean, can I be Reg Clay without theater? Mm-hmm. Yes, but it won't be as interesting. It really just won't be as interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of glad that I have that part of my life. And it's funny talking to my parents. They're like... I just don't understand, you know, why, you know, theater, you know, gravitates you. Mm-hmm. And then they see Four Men in Paris or they'll see something that I've streamed or they'll, I'll send them, you know, something that I've written. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, now I get it, so. Yeah, and you said something which reminded me, I, I did, um, about a decade ago, um, Noises Off. Mm-hmm. And, ah, the movie, wow. and the, the movie version. What, what show? I mean, what, what company? Uh, it was the Half Moon Bay. Okay. Uh-huh. It was back 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 then. It was that the side of the hill players. They've since changed oh, their name. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch the movie. The movie. The cast um, is you know a list stars, and they're all right. really good. But it's not live. And right, so right, when right. you watch them do the comedic thing, going yep. they shot that thirty seven times. Yep, they, yep, they, yep. They, they, they spliced it. You mm-hmm. watch it on stage. You saw it in front of you. Right. You know, yep. And that's the difference. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's the magic of it. Alrighty, let's wrap it up. Birthdays. Oh, let me get my list. Uh, <laughs> list, list, list. Uh, now I'm going to have to be careful about which names I skip over. Well, I'm going to go Garrett Groenfeld. Mm-hmm. His birthday is coming up. Nobody's. I didn't have anybody's birthday listed for today. I was surprised. Um, a playwright, Bay Area playwright. Uh, Jola Branner is somebody who, as far as I know, is still in Minneapolis in that area. Um, amazing dancer, performer, was one of the... Um, founding original members of the Afropomohomos, which mm-hmm. was way back in the day, but incredible. Yeah. Um, Ella Zalen is, um, I met her when she was three, and now she's in her 20s and moving towards her 30s. And ay, 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 her birthday's coming up this week. I'm like, wow, where did the time go? And she has become a theater artist as she grew up. Her mom was a playwright. Um, David Diggs. His birthday's coming up this week. Ah, yeah. I, oh, I, 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 we've never reached out, but I, the Hamilton I would love superstar. To yeah. Chat oh, with oh, him. I, I got to jump on this. Yes. So, okay. um, I'm yeah. a member um, of the Custom Made Theater Company, right? And we, and, and he will talk about this. It's in the interviews. Yeah, we yeah. cast him in his first show out of school, uh-huh. and so he was part of Custom Made for a couple. Of years. Wow. He was in <clears throat> several of our shows, mm-hmm. and I love when I'm at the theater and I like point to the poster, like, "Do you see that name?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Yeah, he was here." Yay. Wow! See, see, that's awesome. I love hearing stories like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, Danny Boy Hall, who we've had on, yep. um, electrician, yep. a theater techie. We mm-hmm. we haven't had a techie on in a while. Uh, Philip L. High is somebody I went to high school with. He was part of our uh, high school theater group. Mm-hmm. Um, John Angel Grant is somebody I always feel like we should acknowledge because he has been writing reviews forever in the East Bay. Mm. Um, and uh, Elaine <coughs> Daniels is actually not in theater, but she is Elizabeth Carter's partner. Okay. And her birthday is coming up this week. 
I'm going to skip this one because I know you've got it. Uh, Maurice Jamal is somebody I went to San Francisco State with. Um, amazing performer, director, uh, filmmaker, and I'm not sure what he's up to these days. I'd love to know. Um, I've got one other I'll skip because I think you may have it. Mm-hmm. And Michael Kelly is the last one I have. Um, he was a Bay Area actor. I tried to pick him up for a project a few years ago, and he's like, I don't live in the Bay Area anymore. I'm in L.A. I'm like, and he's got a voice like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I hope he's doing well. Happy yeah, birthday, I, y'all. Yeah, I've, I've had folks like that. It's like, hey, you're still in the area, right? No, man, I moved. Didn't you know? I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Okay, so uh, today. Oh, do you have some, uh, Eric? Yeah. Um, so today was the birthday of um, Sean Patrick McGinnon. Um, oh. Again, sorry. He mm. unfortunately passed last year. Oh. Um, he was a dark room staple. We also worked wow. with him yeah. at Dreams yeah. of the Rocks. No, yeah, to bring, to, he, you know, remember. His passion was so incredible. Mm. He, he would pop any scene. Like, mm-hmm. you write your A level, he would put you to your next level. Nice, that. nice. Uh, like, the, 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 the cure chaos he brought was yeah. so strong. Um, and he will be missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's birthday is tomorrow. Yay! Happy birthday, Mrs. Johnson. Yes. And also sharing a birthday is Kelly Reinhardt. I've I've got her name there, right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I steal that one? Um, no, no, no. It's not a problem. I shared the stage with her. We did. It's only a play last year. Yeah, um, uh, I've done a show with Kelly. She's an incredible performer. Yeah, um, she and her husband. Her and her husband's husband. fantastic too. Mm-hmm. Who's her husband? Fred Pitt. Oh, right. Duh. Oh, now I've, I feel done like an several, idiot. I've done several shows with Fred. Um, Fred's in. If they hear this, they will say. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty sure Fred is, Fred will be in a soldier story, which will be at the Alt Arena. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's done a lot of work there. He's part of the custom made company, so he's done many mm-hmm. shows there too. So. Wow, small world, huh? He, yeah, well, yes. <laughs> mm. Fred is also an incredibly talented actor. Yeah. The, so the, the the two of them were in a show together recently. Um, yeah, they were yeah. a pair, uh, yeah. Frankie and Johnny at right. the Laird Little. And I'm like, oh, perfect, perfect. So, yeah. Um, Terry Whipple has a birthday coming up. Um, Terry Whipple's also a custom-made um, member. Um, mm-hmm. She's incredibly talented, too. Um, I've also worked with Terry, and this is like our secret, don't tell anyone, mm-hmm. at the Terror Vault, the Haunted House. Oh, nice. And we've so we've done scare acting together. Mm, nice. And it's, it's a different type of performing, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then Jim of the Dark Room, his birthday's coming up. Jim Fortinius. Yeah. I get his, I miss, I I screw his mis- last mis- name. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, J- Jim has since moved um, to um, Michigan. Yeah, we, we interviewed him via Zoom. But he's still, he's doing his brand of theater out there, and yeah. it seems to be doing well. I'm very excited. And, he, and we rope him in as much as possible for the Dreams on the Rocks, because he's an audio wizard. Mm-hmm. And so like, we're like, yes, we need is. this sound effect, or we need this incidental. He's like, I gotcha. And yeah. then he'll, he'll mail us back um, the mm-hmm. files. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to collaborate with him, even though we're uh, Yeah, remote. and he was Emperor Norton for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, my list uh, today, uh, Dup Crisson, he is 38 years old. He is a fantastic musician. Uh, he was a drummer when we did... Um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, but he's more than a drummer. He actually put out a record uh, last year. Uh, he is a guitarist, and he is a just an amazing musician. And uh, when he, because he couldn't do the full production of Women on the Verge, he had to step in to, out to do other shows. Mm-hmm. And when another drummer came in, it was like, oh man, it's not the same. So he is just really, really fantastic. As they say, he's in the pocket. Um, re, uh, also, last on the 19th, two days ago, just Jackie Castileo, her birthday uh, came and went. Um, amazing actress. She was in my play. I wrote a little play called Ang Espia, yeah, which yeah. is a 
um, an adaptation of Bertrand Brecht's The Spy, oh, yeah, yeah, and I'm so glad that Ben Stiff did that. So she was uh, the the uh, the mom in that one. We mentioned Kelly Reinhardt, also on. Um, oh, also January twenty second, uh, Ken Fisher, who uh, is a writer. I want to say I've, I'm trying to remember what I worked with him on. I can't remember. Okay, I'm not going to. I think it was a um, a. Um, I think it was a. Uh, oh shoot, my my mind is gone. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, it's it's uh, the film. What is it? The uh, the it's it, what the Phoenix used to do every year. Um, the film is a twenty four fe- hour. No, no, it's like a festival that we do all all the time. I, I can't huh. remember it. But in any case, uh, yeah, Ken, uh, happy birthday to you. He's forty four years old on the twenty second. Let's see who else. Uh, there are a couple of folks who are not. Oh my! Of course, my brother, my brother Andre. Mm-hmm. His birthday will be on the twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. A fantastic keyboardist, just just amazing. Um, on the twenty seventh, Dorsindo Parker. She and I graduated from Duke Ellington School of the Arts, mm-hmm. uh, both in the theater department. So uh, happy birthday, Dorsindo! Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, yes, you did say this one for me. John Ritchie. Yeah. <laughs> the wife of Corinne Ritchie and the cone owner of Plethos Productions. Yes. And Plethos has just grown so yeah, much. Yes, I'm so yes. glad that we were a part of their first production and they've just grown and grown and grown. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really, really awesome to see how much they've matured. Uh, shows. Um, you know, there's also Tony Alderondo, amazing performer and poet. Right on. Um, I don't. I I've got this show Monday. You've actually got the details on it. I mm-hmm. you know and uh, Monday Night Playground is still going on. The next one will be February the twentieth. Um, I think is the theme still in resolution or is this, it will be something else? Um, Not sure. Oh no, Monday Night uh, Playground. Oh no, the Monday Night Playground is. Um, that is going to be in Chicago, I think. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's a Monday night now in every... There are four cities, Chicago, mm-hmm. New York, L.A., mm-hmm. and San Francisco are participating. So that'll be that'll be in Chicago. The reading I'm doing is through the Z-Space. Um, right, exactly. Yeah, that will be uh, Raymond's Run in mm-hmm. Blues, Ain't No Mockingbird at the Z-Space, January the 23rd, only Tony one day. Cade Barbara, I believe, is the writer's name. Mm-hmm. Margot Hall... AJ and Tonis Marquise, and of course Norman G will be there. And we have a link to that, so you can check that out. Also, Spr- Frankenstein Unbound mm. is being done at the Pear Theater. It is a um, a play by a collection of playwrights, one of them being Bridget Dutta Portman. So oh, you got to nice. check that out. That'll be February the third through the twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. Also, Exodus to Eden is being done at the Oakland Theater Project. Um, Dorian Lockett. Will be in it. Nice. <laughs> Linda Amaya Hassan and Adrian Dean uh, will be in it. That'll be mm-hmm. February the third to the through the twenty sixth. Uh, we've talked about this on the last episode. Apologies to Lorraine Hansberry. You two, August Wilson, will be done at Theater Rhinoceros. Kimberly Ridgeway will be directing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be February the seventh. Uh, also, um, a guide for the homesick will also be done at Theater Rhinoceros. Alan Kismorio will be directing that. That's what I was getting ready to look up. Yeah, yeah. February 23rd through March the 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Altarina is doing Slow Food. Uh, that uh, opened last night, and it'll end February the 19th. Kimberly Ridgway is in that show. Uh, what else? Um, Brava for Women in the Arts Theater. They're doing a show called Brains Like Berkeley. 
That'll be one day only, February the 18th. Kayende Koyejo uh, is directing that one, so mm-hmm. we have a link for that. SF Shakes is doing a Midsummer Night's Dream. That'll be at various locations uh, beginning March the 1st through May the 6th. Mm-hmm. Alan Coyne, who is always oh, in the thing, is in that. Uh. So check that out. Uh, Palo Alto Players, they opened the play that goes wrong last night, and they'll be going on until February the 5th. Damaris DeVito is in that one. And she has been on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aurora Theater is doing Paradise Blue. Uh, that'll start January the 27th. Michael Ashbury is in the show, and Don Monique Williams is directing that. Ah, nice. So we have a link for that. Mm-hmm. Nanai, uh, I believe I'm saying that correct, uh, that'll be at the Town Hall Theater. Molly Alice Crossed, that is a Philippine-slash-Jewish um, writer. She wrote the play. And so I'm so glad the town hall is uh, featuring her. Mm-hmm. That yeah, opened... town hall has been doing a lot of uh, new work. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they're doing yeah. awesome stuff. That opened last night. Uh, that'll that'll run today, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the next uh, the next weekend. Mm-hmm. So check that out. And the last show that I have is, and then there were none. The maskers mm-hmm. and Alicia von Kugel get excuse me is in that show, January the 27th through February the 19th. Yay. We have a couple of podcasts that we want to push. Barry Graves is uh, doing The Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Mallory Samara, her uh, day job is KCBS Radio, and she has two podcasts that she is producing. One is called It's um, It's Generational, a deep dive into how inner, all each generation looks at certain things, and also uh, As Prescribed, a weekly podcast with leading medical experts at UCSF, UCSF Medical Center. Central Works has a uh, uh, podcast called the Central Works Script Club, where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with a playwright. And the last one, Bindlestiff Studios, has the Fobcast, so check that out. Also, we have jerseys. So yeah. please um, buy a jersey. If you if you want to see what it looks like, you can check out our uh, website or our um, our. Facebook, Facebook feed. page, yeah. <laughs> we have white, we have black, $30. Just uh, DM me, um, Venmo me, and I'll hook you up. That is it. Uh, Eric, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was great seeing you. I was telling Norman, man, I haven't seen, you know, this guy in 20 years. And, you know, it's man. just, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's really great when you have those memories. And it's like theater. It's the tapestry, and you think, yeah. you know. These are the bonds that that hold us together. I mean, that's the reason why I have these posters here. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the names you have, I'm like, oh yeah, I just saw that person. Oh, I just saw (laughs) the show. It's like, yes, yes, yes. Right, right. No, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. All righty. Well, you can listen to um, us on, you're listening to us already um, (laughs) on the Apple Podcast app. We're also on Overcast. We're on Spotify. If you're an Android user, we're on SoundCloud. Uh, We're also posting on Mastodon as well as um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're at The A3 on Twitter. I'm at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Erica, is there a place where people can contact you directly? Oh, gosh. I'm an old, so the Facebook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't have an Instagram thing? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find Eric C. Johnson on Facebook. And if you're looking for a fantastic actor... 
And uh, a producer. I could say you're a producer. I hate Sounds that, like I it. Yeah. <laughs> the term we use at a is the dark. Uh, sorry, dark dreams of the dark. Is I am the head of HR because I have to wrangle all the people. Right. Yeah. There you go. And you do a fantastic job of it. Adequate. All righty. Well, uh, thank you so much. It's still the morning, and I'll let everybody go. And as Norman and I always say, we, we gotta, gotta find, find a better, better sign off. off, and we are out. <laughs> <laughs>